Good morning, church. So good to see you. Happy New Year to you. Everything going so far pretty well in 2022? So far so good, right? Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11 is where we're going to be today. And so first, I have a a pre-sermon sermon. And then we're going to get into the actual sermon. Is that okay? Y'all good with that? Like you're going to go, no, we're not, you're not allowed. Um, so let me, let me do this real fast. I do this every year. 2022 is here. Like it or not, ready or not, here we are. The gun has fired. The year has begun. 2021 is gone forever. It's amazing how many amens and all of that I got in dripping too. Learn from it, celebrate aspects of it, grieve aspects of it, but let it go. There are no do-overs. You can't relive it. It is done. Shut the door. Say goodbye. Watch it fade into the distant past. Think, think, thank it, grieve it, celebrate it, but you can't relive it. Just say goodbye to it. You get one shot at 2022, one, and then you'll say goodbye to it. And we're at the beginning of it, and so it's good to think about these things, isn't it? You get one shot at 2022, and it'll be over. So at the beginning of this new year, let us center our hearts in the words of the author of Hebrews, who say, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off, say throw off, Y'all know I never do that, so I did it this once. Okay, all right. Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race, and notice this, marked out for us. 2022 is prepared for you. God's already there. He's already put the track in place. And he's saying put your shoes on and run. I love that. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He ran his race, you run yours. He's already marked it out for you. He's already there, already out there in this year. He's already marked it out, and he wants you to run. And run with perseverance and run with freedom. And run with um, efficiency, in other words. Because he says, what is, what is weighing you down from you running this year with freedom and victory? Uh, what, what are you, you wearing cowboy boots to try to run in? Is that what, you know, you can't live like that. So put on the sneakers, right? Because you want to run. Well, what is it that's, that's clogging you up? What is it? And you know what he says? He says, throw it off. Throw it, like get rid of it. 
Um, and then he says the sin that so easily entangles, like, like briars in a, uh, you know, like you're trying to go through the woods and these vine, the, the briars are all grabbing you, you know. It's sin, right? Take a hatchet to it. Throw it out. Get rid of it. You know, because of the life, the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can just throw off the sin that entangles in your life. And you can do that today. And you can run with freedom in 2022 and purity and joy. And you can do that today. And so he is there. He has marked it already out for you and calls you to run. Run with freedom. Start over today. Start free. Start clean. Get with him today. And then run. Let's dedicate our lives of 2022 to the path he's marked out for us. Amen? That's what we do in worship. You dedicate yourself to Christ. And you say, Christ, you've mapped out something for me, and I'm dedicating myself today to that path. You know what that path looks like. I get the journey of discovering it, and I'm committing myself to running that race, the race you have for me this year, and I start that today. Okay, so that's my pre-sermon sermon. Now are you ready for the actual sermon? It's a lot longer. Today we begin a five-week journey together. Bless. This is a book that we've been providing you for free. If you have not received this book, they're available in the lobby this morning on your way out. Please grab one. They are free to the people who get there first. Okay? So uh, if you don't get there in time to get one, um, you'd probably have to pay $3 or something on Amazon. I don't know what it is, but, um, but it's not much. But Bless is basically an acrostic that is used to give us a simple plan of, and let me put it in my words, connecting our lives with the divine life of God in Christ and experiencing him use your life supernaturally, powerfully in the lives of other people around you on a consistent basis. If you want that kind of life, this is the 101 steps of this is what it means to move yourself into that kind of life and live it out all the time, all the time. If you want that kind of life, that's what this is. And I as a pastor felt really like this is something that we need to lean into as a church, as a congregation. I want us all to embrace this and and experience it. Uh, to, to maybe add some of these steps, maybe it's uh, uh, something that all of it you need to start, maybe just one thing you need to be reminded of, whatever that is for us, all of us to enter in deeply into this, this particular text. So read chapters 1 to 3 this week, you're going to talk about it in life groups this week, um, and we start with this really important aspect of prayer. The, the bless is an acrostic that we use for these simple steps of what it looks like to live a life like that on purpose. The B is begin with prayer. You should see the outline. The L is listen. Next week, you husbands, be here next. Okay, anyway. Now, eat, we're all going to make that week because that's my favorite week, right? Okay. Serve on the 30th. And then S is story we finish up on February the 6th. This is a journey for us spiritually. I want you to get with God. I want you to walk through these steps. Embrace this at a deep level. And I promise you, you're going to experience some really awesome things out of this. Okay, because it's just basic principles of the Bible and what God calls us to do. Um, And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 11, starting this off this morning. Luke chapter 11, uh, I'm going to read from verse 1 down to 13, so follow along with me. Let's meditate on the Word of God and uh, let God guide us as He wants to. Starting in verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, 
And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we come together as your people. We focus on you. We set aside the common things. And we dedicate this this time to you. And we open your word. And we listen to you. And we meditate upon your word. And Lord, we ask that you would guide uh, us by your spirit. That you would illumine our lives. That you would illumine our hearts that you would show us where we need to go, what we need to do, who we need to be. Lord, that you would free us from things that are chaining us down, that you would encourage us if we have discouragement. Lord, that you would minister to us. Lord, you have promised the personal presence of Jesus among your people would be in our midst. And we trust that that's true here today. We sense you, we welcome you, and we ask you to do a great work. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts that follow you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, on, on the holidays, my son and I were in the uh, living room and we were watching The Martian. Have you ever seen The Martian? Uh, it's a pretty good movie. Uh, we, I, I, I remember looking at it not being too interested and then it started and then you're like sucked in and then you can't let go of it, right? You know what I'm talking about kind of movie? It's really good. Uh, so... It's basically a story of a future astronaut with a team of people, and they're on the surface of Mars, and they're doing some work there uh, for NASA, and uh, they're about to leave, and a storm comes up and and blows, and I'm not going to spoil it or anything. Uh, They all die, so everybody knows that. But anyway, but the, the storm blows up, and they're trying to get out of there, and the whole team is rushing in the middle of the storm to the spaceship to get out. And one guy with a piece of debris gets knocked into the darkness. They can't see him anymore, but they know they only have a certain amount of time to get back to the ship. They're all going to die. And so this 
pressure moment. Anyway, long story short, they leave. They get on the ship and they leave and they head back to Earth. And they, they assume that he's dead because you couldn't make it without this stuff for less than a minute. And they, there's no way he made it. But he made it. And he's living in the space place there uh, on, on Mars. And um, the whole movie is, is following his journey of being stuck on Mars by himself and for maybe a lot of years. Uh, and so it's really fascinating in that sense, really creative. Um, but I'm studying for this sermon <laughs> on the side while I'm kind of letting my son watch this movie. And I'm listening, uh, and I'm listening to him come to a place in this thing where he realizes he's faced some discouragement, some things have fallen through, he thought he was going to survive, and now he's at the lowest point of his low, and he goes, I'm going to die here, and I'm going to die alone. Um, and he's like sitting on a rock, and um, he's like saying, okay, it's time to uh, submit a journal to my parents. And I'm asking NASA to tell my parents a few things. And he says this in that moment, and this is why it connects to the sermon. Uh, I heard him, and I thought, that's, that's pretty interesting. He said this, tell them I'm dying for something big and beautiful and greater than me, and I can live with that. I thought that was a really awesome moment because we all connect with that, that, you know, it's not so bad because... When you're connected to something a lot greater than you, there's something satisfying in that for a human being. And, and what I connected to is say, God wired us that way. We all as human beings want to connect, want our life to count in the midst or count into something much greater than us. We want to know our life counted. And it counted for great things and not small things. And the worst thing we can think of is that our whole life didn't even matter. That's, like, well, that's a horrible thing to think, that your life didn't even matter. Um, we want to matter. We want our lives to have purpose and meaning and something great. And it means something great and much greater than us in our, our little lives. Well, the most miserable you can get is when you are detached from that purpose in your life that God has given you. When you feel like your life is being lived for something small or just you, you will find the joy gets sucked out of your heart. It's the most miserable times in my life is when I detach from the purpose that God has designed me for, the calling on my life. When I get distracted with small things and I make small things the main things in my life, I find the joy in my heart gets sucked out. And then I realize, wait a minute, <laughs> Something's wrong. My, I'm distracted on other things. I need to plug back into who I am and what I'm called to do and that my life matters. My life counts. And it makes all the things that are small and painful kind of get eclipsed in the shadow of this great thing that I know I'm called to live for. And all of a sudden, here comes the joy. Here comes the joy. I matter. And no matter what I face in this life, it's small compared to the fact that I, I'm in and my life is going to count for this great, eternal, wonderful, beautiful thing that God is up to from all eternity to all eternity. And I get to be a little piece of it. And it's awesome. And here comes the joy. Here comes the peace. Here comes the power. Here comes the smile. Uh, and, and it's where we're meant to live. It's where we're meant to live. That's what this series is all about. Helping you plug into that and make sure that you stay in there. 
and that you live in that joy and that power and that freedom and that significance and that meaning that's so satisfying. That's what this series is really all about, to help you do that. And the, princ- the first principle you need to understand, if you want to move into a life like that, and I know all of us are trying, or at some level, all of us are seeking to live that kind of life with Christ. It's the life available to us. The principle, the first principle to understanding how to live a life where God flows through our life, the life of Jesus in, in, infuses into our life and through our life into the lives of others around us. And our life begins to have impact, supernatural, powerful impact that is available to all of us. You want to move into that, the first principle you need to know is this. We have nothing to offer that. <laughs> we bring nothing to the table in and of ourselves to be able to live that kind of life. Jesus puts it this way in in John chapter 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine. In other words, the source, the root. I get the sustenance. I transfer. I provide the source to the branches. I am the vine. You're the branches. This is an analogy that Jesus is using. In other words, you're just a branch. You're dependent on something else to give you everything you need to produce this flourishing in your life. You are dependent. He says, I am the vine, though I source you. I, my life infused into yours is where the source of life and power and eternal life is. And I source you with that. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. In other words, you want your life to matter and count and be plugged into something great and eternal and supernatural. Well, then you've got to plug into the life of Christ, his life being infused into your life and his life living through you, that's when the fruit, the supernatural power, the things that he's calling you to do, the way he uses you, that's all him. I bring nothing to the table except to be plugged into him. Point one, branches don't go out there and go, wait, the vine's going to love this. I'm going to do some stuff here. No, the branch just says, I need the vine. Now do your thing right here. Do it through me. Right? Y'all get that principle? In and of yourself, you have nothing to offer. In and of yourself. But when you're plugged into him and his life is infused into yours and his life is flowing through yours to the world around you, now you're living the life. Now you're living the life. Prayer is the vehicle to plugging in. That's why it's critical. That's why prayer is so important. That's why it's first on the list. Prayer is the vehicle in which you plug in to the vine. Prayer is the vehicle by which you attach yourself, that you have fellowship with Christ and you walk with God. Prayer is the vehicle for this union. Prayer. It all starts with prayer. And let me say, it's your whole impact is empowered through prayer. And at the end, the longer you pray, here's what you'll discover. You don't pray to get something to happen as much. What you find is that prayer is the end. It's what your life is all about. Uh, Oswald Chambers even has that great quote. It says, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is not a means to an end. Prayer is the end. He says it doesn't fit us for a greater work. Prayer is the greater work. 
What you'll find, the more you pray, is it's not leading to some other end. It is the end itself. What you were really after in life was a prayer walk with the God who made you. That's what you're made for. All of the stuff that happens through you and all of that comes from the fellowship that you have with him, but you were made for the life of God to live in you and through you, the fellowship of Christ. But prayer is the vehicle. And so we need to know how to pray, right? And, and here's the question. How do you pray? Um, well, if you want to study prayer but to learn how to pray, just Google it. Google prayer. How do I pray? And you're going to find all kinds of structure and prayer thoughts and theology and doctrine and uh, corporate prayer, individual prayer, uh, prayers that you can pray, um, all contemplative prayers, expressive prayers. You, you prayer, there is a myriad of information about prayer. And what you're going to find is when you start studying prayer, you might as well be studying rocket science. Because it's just so much in the Bible. If you just try to say, I'm going to scan through the Bible like an MRI, and I'm going to take everything that the Bible says about prayer, and I'm going to put it into a textbook to teach me how to pray, you are going to get overwhelmed. It is going to be overwhelming, the amount of information that you're having to chew on to learn how to pray. So the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, Teach us to pray. John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. We see you praying. We, you go off and you pray. And we know you're praying. Whatever it was, it made them think he's praying. Whatever he was doing, whether he was kneeling or whether he was in sight or whether he did this all the time or whatever it was, they said he goes off and prays all the time. Why don't he teach us to do it? He never even said anything to us about prayer. And so they come to him and they go, why don't you teach us to pray like you pray? Pray like you pray. The magic sauce is praying like Jesus prays. So we want to know how do we pray like you pray? So let me give you a couple of things that I think Jesus says here. And I think it's going to be very encouraging to you when you think about what Jesus said about the real essence of prayer. Praying like Jesus involves, number one, getting alone with God regularly. It says that Jesus prayed in a certain place right here in the text. That he, had, he was in a, in a certain place he was praying. In other words, they, they, there's a situation where he was praying in a certain place. He was off by himself and he was doing one of them things again. Right? He was doing that thing again. He's going off and he's praying by himself in an isolated place, and he's praying, and they're saying, he prayed in a certain place, and then he came back, and they go, hey, why don't you teach us to do that? This is the idea here. So for Jesus to pray, it meant this, to get alone, to get focused, to set aside common things, and to do business with the Father. That's what First 101 prayer Jesus does here. It is a place of solitude, focus, and uninterrupted engagement. Let me give you a couple of others just to reinforce the idea. Other passages. It's Luke chapter 5, 15 to 16. But now even more, the report about him went abroad about Jesus, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would what? Withdraw 
to desolate places and pray. It's like that's his practice. That's what he does. Like, oh, yeah, he's going to do the, do the prayer again. He's gone. No one knows where he is. He does the prayer thing again. This is like a pattern for Jesus. Matthew 14, 23. Uh, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to what? Pray. He didn't get by himself to go, man, I just need to get away from people and chill for a little bit. You know, like you and I do. No, he thought about prayer and he went and isolated himself to do it. This is the idea. Um, Mark 135. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus, when he thinks about prayer, he thinks about getting alone. Now, it could be early in the morning. Jesus prayed all the time at different times. It, sometimes it was late at night after he dismissed the crowd. He'd go be off by himself after a big, tiring day, and he'd pray. Sometimes it was early in the morning before anything got started. He would go and pray. So apparently the time is not, not that relevant. What is relevant is alone. You get alone with God and you do business with God. Jesus even taught for us to, be, to pray in private in Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In other words, he's trying to say, yeah, the religious proud, they get up in the public and they pray in front of people to show how religious they are. It's really religious pride and arrogance. He said, but if you want to deal with religious pride and arrogant motivated, motive in your heart, well, then just pray in private. And that's what you should do anyway. That's what I do. That's what he's talking about here. And this is the doctrine of the quiet time. How many of you grew up studying the quiet time? Okay, you've heard the quiet time. The only problem I have with the phrase the quiet time is that for me, it is often not quiet at all. I am very loud with God. Especially if I'm passionate about something and I want him to hear me and I have to feel like I need to get a little louder. But I want to express every passion and feeling I have to God. I want him to feel everything I feel, and I want to make sure that I have put that radar up, and I want to get loud with him. And some of you know in my office, if you walk by there on Sunday morning, some guys come by my office at 845 to pray. Join us if you'd like. Um, and I'm often rocking out on some worship music at the loudest possible volume that I can. Sorry for you classrooms that are underneath me. Um, but it'll be loud, and I'll be shouting, I'll be praying, I'll be just spitfiring prayers and getting desires out of my heart and talking to God about the church and people. Um, so I don't, it's not quiet. So I would say alone, alone time. Pick a dedicated time. Make it holy. Holy just means set apart, separate from the, from the common things. You know, yes, you can pray with the TV running. Yes, you can just live in a spirit of prayer, as we have all heard, to pray without ceasing means. I don't know that it does, but... You can just always hover in a, prayer, a spirit of prayer. Yes, but if you're not getting alone, you're not praying like Jesus did. Absolutely. I believe it is the fuel, it is the crux of a prayer life. Getting alone with God and doing business regularly with God. Let him have everything in, in that process, in that time. So getting alone with God is most important. Plan it. If you don't plan it, it's probably not going to happen. Do you all know what I mean? All right. Praying like Jesus involves two. Learning by practice. Jesus... Disciples ask him how to pray. And you know what he does? He hands him a little strip of paper and he goes, pray that. Think about that for a minute. Now that's symbolic language, but that's exactly what he does. They said, teach us to pray. And he goes, here, pray that. 
and it's like two sentences. Does that sound kind of interesting to you? No, no, Jesus, hang on. I was looking for the 12-week lecture series and going through all the principles of prayer and all the principles of this. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Uh, you, want, you want to pray? Here, I'll teach you. Pray that. How do you learn how to pray? By praying. <laughs> Just get the motor going. Crank it and get going. Um, I will say this, if Jesus expected us just to quote that prayer and satisfy the requirement of prayer, you can do it in 10 seconds. You can quote that prayer in 10 seconds. And, and, and if you think that's what Jesus was asking for, I don't think so. It's not just a prayer to quote. It is a runway. It is a priming the pump prayer. It is only getting you talking and getting you started with God. It is meant to be a runway that you take off into the heights of a prayer with God. And let God and you and your interaction in that moment go where God wants you to go with your heart. It is a runway. It is a starting point. It is a here, let that prime the pump. You need some words to say? Let me give you some words to say. And then get started. Get started. So you learn it in practice. Next, praying like Jesus involves keeping it simple. Do you notice the prayer that he prays? It is very brief. It is not babbling like pagans, as he says in the other places. Don't babble on and on and on. You're just trying to show off. You, Jesus did not pray in King James English. You don't have to pray in big fancy words. You know what God wants? He wants to hear your words. That's what he really wants. He prefers it. He will not be impressed with your big words, and he will not be disappointed with your bad grammar. What does he want from you? Talk plainly to me. Do business with me. It isn't about the words. It's about your heart. Connect with me. Say what needs to be said. Get it out. Talk to me. You know how to talk. You know your language. He knows your language. He knows you. Talk. Get it out. Talk to him. Now, you know how to pray. Every human being knows how to pray. You have it wired into the framework of your being. You are a human being and you are made to connect with God. You have the radar system. You have the whole system packed in you. You have it there. Now, you might have it turned off. It may be dust on it. You're not using it. But you at any point can turn that radar on and get into that mode where you talk and you communicate with God and, and you can start praying. You have that ability. And so it's not about how to pray. That's an instinct. It's getting going. Get there. Prime that pump. Go with God. Start talking. And then pray like Jesus involves beginning with alignment to God's desires. He says, he starts off with the words, hallowed be your name uh, and your kingdom come. What is that? That is a submission of my life to the will of God. That's all that is. It's a pledge of allegiance, if, if you will. It's to say, God, I'm yours. You're God and I'm not. I submit all of me, all that I know of me to all I know of you. I, I submit myself to you and I yield to your will. You are the creator. Uh, there's worship involved in that. There's, you can say that any way you want to say it. 
but that's the spirit of it. It's, it's me offering myself to you. Remember, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. It is your spiritual act of worship. Offering yourself to God first. Come to God first, out of the gate, and if you want to connect with him, you go, God, you are, everything you know about God to be true, say it. Just say it. And you say, you're that. And you know what? In my heart, I submit to you. I submit to everything I know about you. And I offer myself, my life to you, my heart. Um, you're first. It is very important that I align with you, not try to get you to align with me here first, okay? That, that you're God. And I worship you and I connect. And maybe you just want to go into a thanks. Thank you for who you are, for what you've done for me. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Maybe you go into thanks. The idea is to me submit my whole life to him. Say that in a thousand, million, myriad of ways you want to say it. But that's the point. Align with God's desires. Acknowledge him for who he is. Start there. And then as you're praying, move into this. Next, praying like Jesus involves ending with asking for your deepest desires. Now, I hate that this is my last point because it's like the main thing I want you to get before you leave here today. And I only have a minute to get this go, but I'm going to do it. Jesus gives a parable and he wants to get the essence of what he wants from us in prayer. Now, I want you to hit, get this. This is it. If we get everything else and not this, we swing and miss, right? We get this and miss everything else, we hit a home run. This is the point right here. So listen carefully. He talks about two guys that are close friends. They live in a village in Israel. Villages are all tight. Your parents, you know, your parents had a house and you built a room onto that house and that's where you live with your family and your kids. Yeah, that's how life was then. Praise God for 2022 in America. Amen. All right. But then, you know, but then your brother stacked the house on back of you. Everybody lives all packed in. And then your kids and your family, y'all all live in one house. Y'all even sleep in the same room. Everybody's packed in. Your kids sleeping in the same bed and everything with you. Everybody's packed in. Think village, like a village. That's the context. And he says, one friend walks over in the village. In the middle of the night, it's quiet. There's no light. It's in the middle of the night. Everybody's asleep. And the guy's banging on the door. Why? Because he's got a friend coming in. He's going to be here any minute in the middle of the night, and I don't have food for him. It's a shameful thing. It's an embarrassing thing. I would be ridiculed, and I can't face that. I need, I'm desperate. I need bread, and I know my friend has it. And so he goes over there, and he's knocking on the door, and he says, you know his friend ain't answering the door. Now, this is really funny. Jesus had some humor worked into here because you know why he doesn't want to wake up? Because he doesn't want to wake up the kids. And this guy is waking up the neighborhood, all right? The, 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 the whole village hears what's going on because it's quiet. I mean, this guy is making all the racket, and the whole neighborhood's waking up. You're creating a ruckus. And the guy is like, hey, no, man, the kids are asleep, you know? You know what you don't, parents, you know what you don't want to have happen once you've gotten your child down for a nap, right? You don't want the FedEx man to ring the doorbell, right? So you put a thing there that says, no, knock lightly. You know, or just leave it on the front porch, right? Well, this is the same idea. This guy is saying, hey, 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 stop. No, I ain't getting you no bread. Quit waking my family up. I don't want the ruckus. And what does the guy do? Get me some bread! And he's like, all right, turn the lights on, get the kids up, get him there some bread. I'm not getting him bread because I'm his friend. I'm getting him bread because he's irritating And I'm not really happy about answering his request. 
I'm not happy about him creating all this inconvenience for everybody else to meet his need. Let me give you a modern scenario. You're in the security line at the airport, and you've been waiting there 45 minutes. And a guy walks in and says, I'm going to miss my flight. Can I cut? And he begins to walk to the front of the line, right past you, because he has a plane to catch. As if you don't. What, how do you feel? How do you feel? You want to cut his legs off. Right? Am I right? Well, here's what you're running into. You're running into the impudence of a guy who's desperate and in pushing his way through everything. And, and saying, everybody submit, everybody get inconvenienced for my request. Jesus says, not because he's he's friends, it's because of his impudence. Meaning, in other words, because he's rude. It's always in a negative context. Rude, brash, bold, loud, disruptive, inconvenient. Someone who's pushing their way through the front of the line because they have a problem. And they're shameless about inconveniencing everybody else about their need. Now, this feels selfish, doesn't it? It feels feels, uh, wrong. Jesus says, that's how you go to God. All right, y'all with me here? Tell me another religion on the planet that would say that's how you go to God. No. Jesus is it. What's he getting at, right? You're like, okay, so help me unpack that. Let's hover in that for just a second. I know I've taken more than a minute. What's that about? What's Jesus drawing us into here? Here's what he's drawing us into. And here's what you need to process. What do you want? And if your initial reaction of answering that question in your mind to me is, I don't know, I hadn't thought about it. Then you're not ready to go to God. Get down deep in there and find out what you want. What do you want in life? What do you want in 2022? Do you want anything? That's the question. What do you want? And, and, and will you come to me and put it on me? I want you to desire. I want you to just stop just numbing your way through life. I want you to want. And I want you to come to me with an attitude of, I want. Stomping your foot in the presence of God. Now, Jesus is saying, that's how you come to me. And I'm not exaggerating. You're with me in the text, right? What's the problem we have with prayer? I think first, we are not desiring the way God wants us to. And maybe you, it's not that we desire and we don't ask God for it. Like, oh, I really want something, I'm just not going to ask. I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to do it. No, it's not that. It's that we don't desire. And, and, and will you go to God for that? 
God, I don't want to pray. I don't want to pray. And I'm bringing it to you. And I'm saying, I don't know why I don't want to pray, but I don't want to pray. And I want to pray. I want to want to pray. You see, it's okay to get loud with God in quiet time. Because this is me doing business with God. This is me getting in my own heart and saying, what's going on in there? And I'm dealing with you. And, and I'm finding stuff in my heart and I'm getting it out and I'm wrestling with it and I'm saying things. And, I'm, I, and you know one thing I've recognized, Lord, as I'm coming to you, that I don't really want to be here. And what is that? And why is that in me? Will you just obliterate it? Can you get rid of that? You see what I'm saying here? Jesus is saying, reach down deep, down into that inner man, down into that inner person. Find out what you really want. And then ask yourself, do I believe prayer is powerful? Do I believe God will hear me? Do I believe that he will answer me? Do I believe he is able? Do I believe he's even there? Got some big questions to answer. Those who come to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Earnestly meaning foot stomping. What do you want? Bring your desire to God. A couple of reasons. One, he might just give it to you. And you know what would rock your world if God actually gave you what you asked for? You would be like, whoa. Tell me that wouldn't notch your spiritual life up ten notches immediately if he interacted with you that way. He might just give it to you. Psalm 37, 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Oh, that he would come through on one thing. You just ask him, bam. And then maybe you even forget that he answered it. And later on you remember, oh, I asked for that and that happened. What if? Do you want that? Do you want that? James 4, 2, let it not be said of us, church, you do not have because you do not ask God. You really want a life that's powerful and then you're not going to ask for anything? You know, this is convicting to me as well. You want a life that's powerful and yet you don't want to ask for anything. And you don't ask and you don't receive. But not, God can also increase your desires. You say, I don't desire. I want a desire. Well, go to him and ask for the desire. And I'll watch a fire get lit. Watch it happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. What do you want? You know what? I'll even say this. You need to bring the desire that you think might be the wrong desire to ask for. You need to bring that to him. Why? Because Jesus said it's like a father and a son. He's not going to come to he, You're not going to bring him a desire that you don't know if it's right or wrong or what. And him go, come back with the right desire next time. No father does that. He's a kid, right? You, you work with him, <laughs> at least, right? You change his desires. You make his desires right. Or you answer his request. But you let him bring those desires to you because you're his father. You want him engaging with you. You want him asking. Bring those things. 
God will even transition your desires. I saw a bumper sticker on a minivan this past week, and I was like, oh, that is so me. It says, I, I said I'll never drive a minivan. <laughs> See where I'm from? Men drive trucks. If you drive something other than a truck, something's not right. Not my personal view, because I don't drive a truck right now, but, but that's where I'm from. So I would never consider a minivan until I drove a minivan. I was like, these things are decked out. Smooth, right, automatic doors, come on. I know I'm redneck. My desires changed. Your desires will change. God will change your desires as you bring your desires to him. But he wants you to bring those desires. Bring those desires. So you want to be a part of God's supernatural work in the world? Then start praying like Jesus. That's where it starts. That's where it starts happening. But honestly, that's the end goal of all of life. That right there, you have found it. If you begin there. It's where the journey begins and ends. Get along with God. Dedicate a line to him. Learn by practice. Keep it simple. Align yourself to him first. Ask for your deepest desires next. And here's where Jesus finishes right here. And I know I'm done. Ask. And you will receive. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that outlandish? If you really believe that, ask. Come. Come on. Bring it. You will receive. Says Jesus. Seek. Pursue me. You will find it. I will make sure you find it. Come on. Keep paddling. Keep paddling. I will take you right to the place you're looking for. I will take you there. Seek. You will find me. You will find it. You will find it. Seek. Knock, and the door will be opened. Knock. Come on. I will open that door. I will take you on a journey. I will give you what you're asking for. Will you take him up on it? It's either true or it's not. Amen? It is either true or it's not. But that is where the journey of being a blessing to others in this world starts. That's where it starts. It's the doorway through the supernatural life that every human being is looking for. That's where it's at. That's where, and that's prayer. All right, I'm done. Let's pray. Father, we just, uh, this, 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 Lord, I'm just thinking about us coming together as a church and, and us coming together as a church and opening your word and singing songs and praying together and all of these movements are movements of getting with you and doing business with you and listening to you and singing to you and thinking about you. And it's in a focused environment where we don't have distractions and we're not mingling with the common things, this very special thing. And I'm thinking about that. And Lord, you want us to all have that as individuals as well. So Lord, would you help us establish those private places where we worship and experience you and talk to you about everything, vent everything out before you. You are Father, you want to hear from us. Lord, teach us to do business with you, to approach you in a way that is shameless and bold and big and where we're pulling all our desires out and placing them in your lap. 
And then you take all of you and you pour it into our hearts and you satisfy us. And you make us more of what you want us to be. And you answer our prayers. And we experience you working through our lives. And all of these things come. Oh, Lord, we need your help. Make us that kind of people. Show us that kind of life. Lead us into that kind of life. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We stand with me all across the room. We're going to sing one song and, and then go. During the song, let's do business with the Lord, okay, as he leads.